Welcome to Responsa Radio, where you ask and we answer questions of Jewish law in modern times. I'm Andrew Balenfant, sitting in for Rabbi Avi Killup, as we record live from the Limud Conference here in the UK. I'm here with Rabbi Ethan Tucker, Rosh Yeshiva at Mechon Hadar, a center for higher Jewish learning based in New York City. So this question, also at the cutting edge of technology, we are coming up into a world where so many things are at our fingertips because of the advancements in technology. And one of the obvious places we can go with a question is what happens on Shabbat when we have amazing technological um, devices. So this person writes, for many years at the Shabbat table, when an unanswerable question arose, I would often say, we really need a Shabbat Google. Well, now perhaps there is one, Amazon Echo. Amazon Echo is this device where you can basically call out, sometimes it's called Alexa, and you can say, hey, Alexa, play this song for me from iTunes or Spotify, or you can ask a question and it'll search Google. Um, It just sits there and listens, and it looks up on Google by itself, and then it it spits out an answer to you. It has a, a voice built into it. So would this be permissible on Shabbat? Is waking the device, so to speak, like flipping a switch? Or should we think of this device as always on since it's always listening? Really interesting. Okay. So this is one where I think we both have to kind of break down into components and maybe creatively apply some old categories to new circumstances. Um, categories, your favorite topic. I love categories. Um, let's, all right, let, let's say it this way. Let's try to sideline some of the things I don't think are ways out of this one. I, you might have a temptation to say, well, I'm not doing anything. Like I'm just talking, right? I'm just using my mouth. And that's not doing anything. That I don't think is a way out, right? In other words, using your mouth to do things, certainly physically to do things, right? Like in the Talmud Yerushalmi, uh, Reish Lakish says, if you blow glass on Shabbat into a shape, that's a full-blown violation of Shabbat under the rubric of building and constructing things, even though into anything with your hands, maybe you haven't touched anything, right? Just doing that action is enough. So the fact that something is being done, if we were to determine that by speaking, you are doing with the force of your sound waves, you know, something significant intentionally that shouldn't be happening in the world on Shabbat, you wouldn't have an out just because you sort of didn't use your hands or do something in that way. The question, I think, is how do we think about this thing? You know, one tempting precedent to use here, which is a good one, though not perfect, is the notion of asking a Gentile to do something on Shabbat. Right? So it's well established in Jewish law that you can ask a Gentile to do certain things that are of great need and minor infraction on Shabbat. So in other words, if the thing being done is really a low-level sort of penumbral concern and you are, you know, you're asking someone who's not Jewish to do it and you really need, you really need this in some way, uh, then, you know, there should be no problem in asking them. I have to ask you to pause and just give us an example of what, what might what that might look like. Yeah, standard example a lot of people will use in places like Manhattan is they'll say to climb up to the 20th floor is a completely, you know, exhausting activity that's going to wipe me out. I need to get up there to sleep and to have my Shabbat meals, etc. I'm pushing an elevator button, even if someone considers that forbidden on Shabbat. Everyone agrees that's not a, like a core Shabbat prohibition. Having a box go up and down on a string is not actually a hopefully more than a string, is not a, uh, <laughs> is not a, is not a violation of some core physical activity on Shabbat. Okay, so there's a light going on and this or that. But that's a kind of minor prohibition, a great need, 
If there's a non-Jewish doorman, you can just say, can you please push 20 for me? All right, that would be that sort of thing. So, you know, I think you could reasonably say that, like, Amazon Echo shouldn't be treated any more stringently than, you know, a Gentile assistant in that way. However, it's hard to imagine what the great need would be in these cases. And I think this also goes to thinking about, well, what are we doing with this device? It seems like the questioner is talking about resolving heated debates over trivia at the Shabbat lunch table. But, you know, you can imagine a whole range of things. My understanding of, of this kind of device, it can be used to control all the lights in your house. Uh, it can be used to do all sorts of things that automate things. It seems pretty clear to me anything that this device would do that would be a forbidden action for you to do with your hand. The fact that you're speaking it and asking the machine to do it doesn't make it any more permitted. That's fundamentally happening with your knowledge, with your agency being done in the way that's meant to happen. And we wouldn't allow that to happen with even someone who was not Jewish uh, in that sort of context. You are saying if I went onto my computer on Shabbat, typed the same question into Google as if I had asked it from the Shabbat table to Amazon Echo, that is the same action. Well, so here's where I want to get to the question, because if we're talking about, let's say, you know, we can control the heat in the house through Amazon Echo. So that's talking about raising the temperature of a furnace, uh, building up a fire on Shabbat in all kinds of ways. It's unquestionably in classical rabbinic thinking and practice forbidden to do that on Shabbat. And I'm first starting off by saying the fact that you're speaking it to a machine doesn't make it any less happening on your agency. And therefore, that would be forbidden. But there's any number of other things that happen with Amazon Echo, which I don't think you can fairly classify as necessarily being a milacha, a sort of forbidden action in and of its own terms. We could talk about the ancillary pieces, but for instance, looking up information is not forbidden on Shabbat, right? Like if you have an encyclopedia on your shelf, you're allowed to pull it down and look it up. Culling information from someone else's brain is not forbidden on Shabbat. You ask them a question, right. they essentially search through their electronic database and spit you out an answer through speech. Um, the, the actual work that's being done with asking this machine to consult a database and then to bring it back to you uh, is something we do all the time on Shabbat with people mm -hmm. and books. So then I think the question is, how do we think about the mode of interaction with the machine? person talked about is my speaking sort of flipping a switch and then how do we think about the actual content that's being engaged with here on the first side i'm inclined to think kind of creatively i don't know if leniently is the right word on this but to think uh, in terms of what's actually happening here this is a question we're going to be revisiting more and more with more and more technologies how do we think about sensors and machines that are always on that then respond to our presence this happens in a basic way of, let's say, walking through moving doors. Uh, hotels, you know, have all sorts of things automated in this way. Lights going on, security cameras, all sorts of things. And one of the ideas that's being developed now by more and more thinkers on this front, and the leader has really been uh, Rav Nachum Rabinovich of Ma'alei Adumim in Israel, has been to say, you know, there's two ways of thinking about how sensors work. I think we touched on this in an earlier Response Radio episode. One way is to think, oh, the machine's off. And when I move in front of the sensor or I do some activating thing, I'm turning it on. And that's a problem on Shabbat. The and, other way to think... And people agree that that is forbidden. No, and that's one, I'm saying that's one way of thinking about it. Rav Rabinovich comes along and says, that's a totally incorrect way of thinking about what a sensor does. 
What a sensor actually does is take a machine that is on. And when it senses you are gone, it's programmed to shut itself off. When you come back, it goes back on. In other words, in this sense, even though it sounds a little counterintuitive from the experiential perspective, he would say a sliding electronic door is always open until you're not there, at which point it closes rather than thinking of it as being closed and then you go and open it up. That is to say, the mechanism, the program is sort of always running. There's probably a reasonable case to be made that the waking device here is not really turning something on. This thing is on, it's listening. You at, then point, at that point say something. And the question is then basically, are you doing something problematic in that interaction? My own instinct, I want to think about it more, is I'm not sure I would root my problem with this, which I do have a problem with it, which I want to get to in a minute. I'm not sure I'd root my problem in, with this in um, the waking of the device or the notion that I'm turning something on. And I'll come back to why that might be relevant in a minute. What strikes me as more problematic here is what are we doing when we're asking these questions of Amazon Echo? And there's two kind of precedents that are analogs that come to mind when I think about this. First is there's a notion on Shabbat on staying where you live and staying local and not going outside of the tchum, the Shabbat boundary that is sort of beyond the borders of uh, civilizational life. It's a kind of analogic usage of that, but there is something here about going into a database that's not the brain of the person sitting at your table, but some global network of information that feels like it's maybe going beyond the tchum. It's going beyond the Shabbat boundary. I remember one of my study partners years ago suggested this was the reason he thought it was forbidden to talk on a telephone on Shabbat. Not because of electronics, not because of anything like that, because it's taking you to like another place and there's actually some deep notion already rooted in the Torah. On the seventh day, everyone should stay where they are. Something about this that feels like is the shutdown of information from the outside on Shabbat actually feels like it's perhaps even more important to us than has ever been before. Right, and you could apply that principle to actually to books also, whereas the internet might have infinite possibilities of the types of answers or resources it could provide. A book also has a back cover. At some point it ends in the same way that a human brain does. It's a great that, way to that put it. That limitlessness um, matters. That's right. The internet lacks the bookends of my bookshelf in that way, and it makes it perhaps less Shabbat conducive. The second thing is something that's sort of obscure and we think of as like totally uh, in the dustbin of practice, many of us, but I wonder if these kinds of questions will force us to revive it. A notion in rabbinic literature that is forbidden, it is forbidden to read secular documents on Shabbat. Now, this has been a raging debate of people who, can you read the newspaper and what kinds of things? This too, I think we talked about in an earlier response to radio. But there's sort of a notion there of, not all kinds of information are really appropriate to read on a day that you're trying to construct as different. And I think one of the things that speaks to me about being nervous about using Amazon Echo in this way is does it just sort of plunge us into what feels like a predicament we have not yet figured out how to fully manage, which is simply being overwhelmed by content and information. This is increasingly part of my experience on Shabbat in a way that wasn't even like five years ago. I feel in my withdrawal on Shabbat how much I'm being deluged with content during the week. It's great. All the people who are listening to this podcast who like 
may have never met us. They're in some other part of the world and they're sitting while they're doing something else and they're having this content crammed into their head. I don't know that I really want them to hear that on Shabbat. And I'm not just talking about the technical issues of electricity. It may be that's the day when you process what you already know on some level or at least limited by the bookshelves or this or at least limited to things that have some sacred valence. And here's where I want to go back. What I think might be a different question is if we got to a point where Amazon Echo could serve as a chavruta for someone who wanted to learn Torah on Shabbat, who was isolated from anyone else that they could learn with, I'd be open to thinking about that question because I'm less bothered by the technical piece here and much more about what is this going to bring into our Shabbat lives. I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful... It's a beautiful image that I'm that I'm conjuring up of what it would look like for someone who might not have access to Torah um, in any regular way, let alone Shabbat, to actually use that for something that feels so Shabbistic at its core. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something beautiful about the image of a chavruta anyway. You and I are in some ways right now sitting across each mm-hmm. other, learning together with all these other awesome people in the room and all the people who are listening to us in the far reaches of the world, as you mentioned. And I'm enjoying that process. And that's a process that I would partake in on Shabbat. And so the idea that this technology, even though it proposes tons of problems in our world for all different reasons, having to do with Jewish ritual and otherwise, that it could be used as a tool for engaging in Torah learning seems to be a really beautiful thing. So we'll see. We'll have to see where this takes us. Thank you. Do you have a halachic question you'd like answered on the show? Email us at halacha at mechonhadar.org. You can also leave a message at 215-297-4254. I've got-